0: Is it summertime already? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, it seems like a great time to give a gay man some money. You may not know this, but Crisis Twink has a listener support option. If you go to the show notes and click the link, you may be presented with the opportunity to donate a small monthly fee to help support operating costs. It can be as little or as astronomical as you want, but any amount is appreciated. If I could give you a smooch, I would, but I can't. So enjoy these dulcet tones instead, Uh, dulcet tones that many have described as akin to a very warm hug. So please donate if you'd like. Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Point, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're gonna revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I just got a text from my mom (laughs) being like, you are under tornado warning. You are under derecho <laughs> warning. Ninety mile per hour winds <laughs> expected. Um, I'm not taking this out. I haven't even introduced my guest yet, but joining me today is a true rodeo queen, a dear friend, <laughs> Roz Kutch. Roz, what do you think about this uh, this insane weather update that we just received?
1: Okay, so I've never been in a tornado before.
0: <laughs> Should oh my I be God. concerned? <laughs> yeah i mean i so i've been in enough i spent enough summers in the midwest to know my way around a tornado at this point but while you were out of town a few weekends ago we had a tornado one monday night that i, I it it looks it has the exact same like sepia tint to it as the beginning of wizard of oz like that's what a tornado looks like like the, it's green out here
1: Wait, like there was an actual tornado. Like it happened.
0: Yeah, it went down the Dan Ryan. Oh my
1: god. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense because I got a text from my neighbor while I was back home away from Chicago. Mm -hmm. And the text was like, if you need to come to my apartment, let me know. Mm -hmm. I know it's scary on the top floor. Come to my apartment. I never (laughs) I never checked back in.
0: Wait, a, I mean that's a crazy text to get out of context, but like what if he thinks he just like blew away?
1: I haven't run into her since so it's, it's
0: very Oh my awful. god, he like you're they're like missing flyers and like somewhere else in Hyde Park being like, have you seen this one? <laughs> like, what? oh my god. It is it is scary to do it in an apartment though. Like I don't have Like, my entire apartment is windows, so, like, you can't really stay away from windows in that event. And I don't really have, like, an interior wall, so I was just camped on my bathtub for a good 45 minutes.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Would it have done anything? I mean, I'm on the seventh floor, like, it's it's a little that's, that's scary. fair. that's fair um so we may this may be like twister like we we might be podding through a severe weather Wait, can, we, can
1: we make this a storm chasing podcast I think
0: we should. yeah <laughs> like I, like we're running around with the mic outside like <laughs> trying to trying to trace everything that would like if I'm ever gonna get a Pulitzer it'll be for something like that like
1: Crisis drink but make it
0: tornado edition tornado like Jim did you ever watch um oh I don't remember what the show was called but there was like a scary storm show on weather channel like the actual channel itself hosted by a bald man named Jim Cantori and when I was like eight I thought Jim Cantori was like the coolest person ever because he would just go to hurricane sites and like look around at the debris and be like and like be like how do we get to this point and I and I wanted to do that as someone who often is like tisking things and being like how do we get to this point like very Wait, I do
1: remember like I have been to Disney World one time in my life mm-hmm. like my parents are not Disney people we went once and all I remember from that experience is not like the joy and the animals and the like pictures. It was like, there was a tornado ride, like where you would go in and then they would simulate a
0: tornado. Oh my God. And
1: they would like blow out the windows and like massive gale force winds would come at you. And I was like, this is fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like how, yeah, how is that fun for people? How did people not get like broken glass everywhere it was wild
1: I was like eight I don't know
0: (laughs) that's the kind of thing like I wouldn't have been able to do that ride both because it sounds like a safety hazard but I had glasses until I was 14 and that's like the kind of thing you cannot have your glasses on for I'm sure (laughs) like oh my god that is actually and also who's that fun for
1: I don't know probably storm chasers (laughs)
0: yeah yeah Disney has some weird rides. Like, did you ever go on um test track? I think it's called like the where it like simulates how car companies safety test their cars. (laughs) What? Well, so in hindsight, I'm now real just now realizing that this is an ad for like General Motors or something. Like that's what this ride was. But you would get into this kind of like car shell. Like it wasn't an actual like car, but it was a roller coaster car that was looked like, just like the framework of car, like all aluminum. And it would take you on like cone tests, like on the track where you would be like zooting around like these little orange cones for mobility purposes. And then it would go like, like bumpy over these tracks for the suspension you see. And then it would accelerate at sixty miles per hour, if not faster, towards a solid concrete wall, and that was the thrill. You thought in that moment, I'm about to perish in like a horrible James Manfield or a Jane Manfield car crash, like very bad. And then the oh wall goodness. goes up, and then it's done. And that's this the ride. Is it a Disney
1: ride? That, it that was a Disney I, it ride. might be. It might
0: be Epcot, but yes, it is. It is a Disney ride.
1: Like what? what happened to us in our childhood that like (laughs) this is what we took part in
0: and all that is in service of like hopefully you might buy a Chevrolet 20 years down the road (laughs) like it's it's we we live in a very sick sick nation um in many ways but it could it could maybe be healed with our next game so (laughs) Ross we're we're gonna play go call the governor. I'm going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history. And you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. No wrong answers here, but your choice is binary. Does the governor need to be called or not? Any questions? Love it. I'm okay. ready. All right. First scenario: the minions. Does the governor need to be called?
1: Um, oh, this is tough. Okay, I would say, I would say no, the governor does not need to be called because (laughs) I think there was a point in time, like a couple years ago, when everyone was dressing up like a minion for Halloween, like it was everywhere, dogs are minions, people were minions, it was like, it was like too much. I think that is when (laughs) we needed to call the governor. Since then, I would say we have a healthy relationship as a society to <laughs> the Minions. Yeah. Like, I think it's only improved.
0: Have you seen the, um, the plane that keeps flying the Minion banner by our apartments over the lake? <laughs> <laughs> no, what does it say? So I work, I work from my desk and I like, look out over the lake and every day for the past two <laughs> weeks, Multiple times a day, this plane has flown by, like with a banner for the new minions movie, uh, Rise of Gru. And it's just like a minion going, like, kind of like Odalisque, like sexy pose. And I've, it's very comforting to see it. Like, it is like, it's become a daily routine. And the minion didn't come today, and it made me feel really sad. <laughs>
1: See, I think that's healthy. I think yeah. that's okay.
0: <laughs> Just kind of like the Minions like lurk in the background of American society without ever, I, yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, like they're I, they're there.
1: You... We look forward to a new movie every once in a while. They're silly. Yeah. It's, it's okay. We're okay with them.
0: Did, have you ever seen a Minions movie?
1: Yes. I saw the first one. And then I'm pretty sure I saw the second one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I, I think I've only seen the first one, like Despicable Me, the first one. But now they like the minions have become like the star of the show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And rightfully so, honestly. I do think I'm also out of the phase of like babysitting. Like I think when I was babysitting and like children were obsessed with minions, I was like, okay, this this needs to go. This is this is too much like when people start talking like minions, I'm like, no, I can't,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't do I, it. That, that's a little too silly for me. Like I kind of, I do get the appeal, like as someone who's, if I had to pick two pieces of like deeply formative culture that have shaped my entire sensibility, one of those two would be Looney Tunes and the minions do feel like our centuries answer to like a Bugs Bunny Daffy Duck kind of thing. Like that like physical comedy. Yeah. Slapsticky. It's funny. But, but like it doesn't have like the wit. Fuck's <laughs> funny. Like, the Looney tunes? <laughs> yeah. No. Like you you go back and you watch some of those old Looney Tunes cartoons and like the the mm-hmm. verbal jokes are so funny and so um it's kind of shocking what they got past like, censors, because they're pretty, some of it's pretty, it's pretty racy. (laughs) Like, not to sound like my granddad, but, like, it is, it's, but, like, the minions don't have that sense of, like, true, like, transgression, but it is very, they're cute, they're fun.
1: Firm believer that, like, animation's gotten better. I do not think writing has gotten better. No. (laughs) I rewatched *Emperor's New Groove, like, Mm -hmm. somewhat recently, like, maybe a year ago, and I think, to this day, I think that is the best piece of animated work mm-hmm. of our time.
0: It's a fantastic movie. Like it just, is so good. Mm-hmm. I I read somewhere recently that why am I even telling the story because I truly only know like the vague outlines and none of the details. But <laughs> like apparently that movie was supposed to be a completely different story somehow, huh. and then they changed it around last minute that could mean anything this that that, that like, like nothing about what i just said is like truly meaningful or relevant in any way but like put someone just go look like go read like it, it was not supposed to be battle llama i think what is what it was supposed to be
1: okay the jokes are just so good like they're just so fantastic.
0: funny Isma so, okay. iconic maybe the best disney villain like so fun I think or Ursula
1: they're both just like kind of sexy kind of funny
0: yeah like Like glam like for like a little gay kid looking at Ursula (laughs) or Yzma or Cruella Deville, like that was a very like that kind of um dangerous woman (laughs) dangerous older older woman that was I think like there's a direct line between me liking Yzma and Ursula and me liking the housewives now
1: Oh, that's a great
0: Mm -hmm. observation.
1: Like I think we've uncovered something here Mm -hmm. today.
0: (laughs) It's like, it's a campy woman. Like I like, I I will always support that. So the Minions could, I think there is a movie where there is like a campy woman in the Minions franchise. I have not seen it, but.
1: Mm, Probably. I feel like that trope has stuck around. It's a good, it's a
0: good trope. Like it's there for a reason.
1: Yeah, let's make heroes sexy too. I mean, they are, but not in a campy way. Well,
0: there are all those um, like memes of Mrs. Incredible. Oh, because she she is like, I hate to say it, but kind of bodacious, you know, like it.
1: it, She's well endowed.
0: Yeah, I mean, for a
1: suburban mom, she looks fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is it's crazy the animation style at Disney sometimes is it's out out of control I think but even like I mean you think about like who frame Roger Rabbit like Jessica Rabbit mm, yeah that's too sexy and also she's yeah, I know it's her crazy. married name but she's like not a rabbit Misleading, well, honestly, it is. It's a little misleading. I guess I know why it happened, but okay, we need to move on to our second topic. <laughs> like pivot out of this. Like I feel like the the listeners who are real freaks are kind of love that segment. Um, okay, next topic: uh, summer squash slash zucchini. Does the governor need to be called? Oh, oh. food is culture.
1: Um, okay, I would say the governor needs to be called because it's, like, year out. Like, what's the deal with, with, like, classifying a summer squash? Like, there are fall squash, winter squash are pretty predominant like summer squash are are good but like they're around all the
0: time <laughs> no I, I it's one of the great fallacies of the farmer's market you can get one of those bad boys all year round I don't 10. like the taste personally either like I just don't see much value
1: <laughs> yikes
0: <laughs> well I mean I do you like a watery vegetable the farmer's market well, I like a farmers market. <laughs> I like. I'm not saying bad boys, as in like the American agricultural industry. I'm saying like specifically summer squash and zucchini. I I I just I don't really find them compelling in a dish.
1: Okay, so I do love zucchini. And I feel like I I eat them a lot. I was having this conversation with with my roommate with Lindsay today, mm. where I we recently acquired an air fryer. And it's really exciting for us. Yeah. I used it for the first time today. Cooked up a batch of tofu. It worked beautifully. And then Lindsay posed a question. She was like, can you air fry zucchini? And I don't know the right answer to that. Like, I I don't know. Is it going to get mushy? Is it going to burn? Like, how does one air fry a watery vegetable
0: yeah that's the thing like I know um I don't know much about air fryers but with eggplant for example like sim- similar similar <laughs> you have to pat it dry until it is like jerky before you fry it and somehow that doesn't make it like dry or tough when you actually fry it or bake it but like there's just so much water and that's Ooh, okay I think-
1: actually you probably do the thing where you like sprinkle salt on it, which like oh. draws out the liquid, pat them dry, then stick them in the old air fryer.
0: Yeah, that's smart. <laughs> and then they're flavorful. They have natural juices. But like, I, whereas eggplant, I do love eggplant that's cooked like that. Zucchini, summer that's squash. What well, it's just too watery. Like, I don't like, I like, if I can't eat a vegetable and like, it's a little raw and it tastes good. Ignore potatoes. Potatoes are not part of this. Like
1: celery? Like
0: cucumbers? No, celery and cucumber, like that's that I enjoy actually. A raw potato, not to spoil the topic that we are going to get to later. But one of my very vivid memories of reading the books that we're going about to talk about is the central protagonist eating a raw potato. In tinfoil.
1: Okay, this is so exciting because I have a couple of core memories from these books, mm-hmm. and that—that that is one of them. <laughs> oh my god! Okay,
0: so we'll we'll loop that. We'll loop that. We'll circle back with that. Okay. Um. All right. Last topic. Uh, Emma Watson. Does the governor need to be called?
1: Ooh. Okay. This like this hurts me to do. I saw her recently sitting like front row at some fashion show that was this week and mm. I don't know what it was. I don't know what show. I don't know what she was wearing but she looked not great.
0: Okay so let me tell you why I put this topic on because <laughs> of that.
1: No way. She looked,
0: she looked dismal <laughs> like I I really don't think she can dress herself but like usually usually she can't dress herself but like she wore faded black dark wash denim jeans to the front row of a, a Parisian fashion haute couture show <laughs> not even a belt I, I thought it was really upsetting to look at and I was just hey, like this
1: is great
0: yeah like,
1: I I love her genuinely I love her as a person okay. as an advocate for a woman's rights just all around like, yeah she she truly is she's she's great I will say that that gave me pause when I saw her like that in the front row of a Parisian fashion show, which is terrible because that's literally like judging everything that, you know, I shouldn't, that like, she stands against.
0: <laughs> well, you can separate the activism from the clothes and all that. Like, I think there are a lot of really good actors and really good humanitarians who do not have a sense of personal style or presentation. And I, I think that is, Emma Watson is one of those people. Um, what do you love her in? I, like, I, I'm not, I don't want to talk about the humanitarianism because like, it is, it is exemplary work that she's been doing. Um,
1: Basically, but as an
0: actor and a celebrity, what oh, do no. you like her?
1: Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think, probably because I can't actually even name something that she's in that's not Harry Potter. I don't think mm. and even in harry potter i mean come on was she an emmy and jesus an oscar no <laughs> actress? no she wasn't she was also like nine but whatever yeah um she so, like, so perfectly I would say yeah. she's perfectly fine
0: yeah
1: fine what what she's done with the fame that harry potter has afforded her good for her because i think like yeah great she went she got like a college education and she's like pursuing life as normally as she can when you grow up with that insane you know situation but yeah as an artist don't love as a person that's using their platform I appreciate it
0: yeah I can get behind all that I can get behind all that I did always think it was very funny that when she she was a Brown for one year and then like essentially got bullied out of Brown and like she went back to the UK I think but um whenever she would answer a question Well, whenever she would answer a question in class, someone would shout out 10 points for Gryffindor. (laughs) So. Okay, that's
1: like objectively funny.
0: Well, No, it is very funny. And like, I don't know why. I know that would get annoying, but that made me like her a little less because it's like, if you're transferring schools because of that, like you are taking yourself way too seriously
1: okay but she does like come on as a person as Hermione like I think it's become part of her character
0: yeah I think that's
1: just who she is
0: <laughs> there is like a grand tradition of young British actresses who are like incredibly self-serious like Millie Bobby Brown I think has carried picked up the Emma Watson torch very well <laughs> i need to show i need to hold on let me find I have, this like, picture. a whole
1: other thing about millie bobby brown oh I well needs- let's
0: let's hear it because this <laughs> is ta- we're taught right off the heels of stranger things so let's talk about it
1: okay i don't think she's the best actress in stranger things sue me i just and then you've like watched her like whole evolution and i understand that it's gotta be really hard to grow up in the public eye but like dang she is she's embracing it
0: <laughs> no she's really embracing it like I I think she's gonna be a huge star that we are going to be talking about for a long time but like I'm not I'm not super compelled by her either necessarily I did just send you two pictures um to your phone of Millie Bobby Brown also speaking at the UN that I think are good for content. This is not a visual podcast, but like I'll post these photos on the Instagram page for the listeners so you can see what we're talking about. It's very funny. Why does she funny. look
1: like that one Scooby-Doo Velma? Why does she look like <laughs> Velma in the picture?
0: I think, I think it's the glasses. But, but oh my god, I,
1: Velma, and then this is. Do, do not tell me that this is not Sarah Palin.
0: No, no, it, it's, she is in full politician drag like she showed it to, to the UN like she had a, a mood board <laughs> like she, she borrowed Sarah Palin's and office. mind you, she's like I think 15 or 16 in those photos like she is dressed like Madeline Albright it's it is so funny. I think that's oh. I it's definitely self-serious but it is like a little camp that like oh I'm gonna go give a big speech and I'm going to dress like someone who is like five times my age like I I really yeah. enjoy that
1: that's why I low-key like love the boys in Stranger Things because I feel like just like out there boys being boys dudes yeah being dudes. like they're like young and and just like having fun on the press junket but then when you see her I'm like are you having fun like blink twice if, like,
0: she you know, so allegedly her parents are really crazy stage parents Um, and they're like her managers so I think there's a little bit of growing up too fast to it but I think she's also she's definitely like being positioned as the next big teen actor like I've or big actor period like I mean I think she's like 19 now like almost 20 like she um She's in a lot of movies that we would not really watch because they're all these like YA teen flicks like Enola Holmes and like Godzilla versus Kong. But like she's the star of all those things. Like she and people younger. My entire TikTok feed is Millie Bobby Brown.
1: Okay. I watched Enola Holmes for Henry Cavill. Don't tell me that you did it. I
0: didn't I didn't watch it at all. I like Henry Cavill, but he's um I don't know I just that movie didn't seem like it was for me even as like a Sherlock Holmes lover I will probably check it out though because I love him the moment in um have you seen Mission Impossible the one Mm -hmm. he's in okay there's a moment when in that movie in which he is like fighting someone in a bathroom and he like cocks his arms like a gun before throwing a punch (laughs) that is one of the hottest craziest things i've ever seen in a movie like i got i i think when i saw it in the i was like (laughs) like truly shocking like he he has a a free pass for that for life so is he sherlock
1: yes sherlock in that okay yeah no it's it's worthwhile
0: i'll check it out i remember the days when like sherlock as depicted on tv Cumberland? and film well yeah that was like the last gasp of like the like sickly frail pale tall british men playing him and i think that's how it should be not <laughs> trying to be a traditionalist but like it's i agree like, i
1: mean that's when you, what's what you think of when you think of like a man that is obsessed with solving crime and insanely smart and lives I mean, in rainy london <laughs>
0: It is like the superherofication of like all of these genres, because like we can't just have like n- normal character actory people. Like everyone has to be like Chris Pratt. Like Chris Pratt is gonna play like I don't know, some like you Chicago economist in a movie. Like that's like where we're at. Like they're taking roles away from people
1: from sickly tall British men
0: yeah that's an uh, that's I can't even I can't even say it like they're not a marginalized community but they're definitely they're under they're creeping into being undervalued so let's like save okay. all, all right let's save them up. okay I we need to take a break on that so uh <laughs> we will be right back and we're back Let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency. Roz, what are you rushing to the ER today?
1: Okay, so I had to do a little bit of thinking about what, you know, cultural emergency I wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. And something that really inspired me was Netflix released this new show called Snowflake Mountain, Mm -hmm. which is a show where you like throw a bunch of 20 something year olds into the wilderness and like, they have to like compete to survive. Um, And just really got me thinking about, you know, who my pioneer hero is and who is truly the best person Mm -hmm. um, to turn to for survival advice. And that would be the dearly beloved Laura Ingalls Wilder.
0: Oh, (laughs) perfect.
1: And I feel like everyone kind of has, everyone who has read her books, notably, you know, Little House on the Prairie, Mm -hmm. Little House, the Big Woods, of note, um, just kind of has like this fondness for her and for like what she represents. And then when I brought this up to you, you had mentioned that it was kind of foundational in your life. And I feel like we all need to like talk about why it's been so foundational to us.
0: It, 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 these books I, I like I think especially because they were so big with our parents generation too like it's just one of those things get that gets like transmitted down so how how did you kind of come into the little house on the prairie fandom
1: I think that I like so I had the books I read them in elementary school I had the picture books um and I think that I thought that I was a pioneer girl for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I was horse girl. I grew up in Montana. I just, I embodied all the stereotypes and I fully will accept those. But I really did think that I, like, could survive on a homestead. Yeah, <laughs> So much so to the point where, like, I feel like I would, like, go outside and, like, construct a little house out of sticks and be like it's not that hard <laughs> like anyone can do this mm-hmm. um and so I just like have this fond association with I don't know with Laura and her like life growing up in the big prairie and I feel like to like take a step back describe what these books actually are
0: <laughs> yeah I guess we should like I it's It's crazy to me that people wouldn't know, but I guess for people who don't, Laura Ingalls Wilder, I have her biography um, pulled up right now, was born in 1867 and she kept a series of diaries um, of her life on the Prairie. Her family moved from Wisconsin to Missouri to Kansas back to Wisconsin and then to then the dakotas
1: Gro-
0: Yeah, Walnut Grove, Minnesota, which is the one where I feel like that that was her like big um and then to the Dakotas too. Yeah. The one I always associated with Minnesota as my most of my family's from Minnesota. So that's why I think part of it was so big for me because like it was so big for like my mom and even my grandma was like really really into it um but like she translated these diaries into they're not they're not works of fiction really like they're autobiography with like loosely fictionalized elements um and that's what got published in um I think like a 10 book series over yeah
1: she just like kept writing yeah there's a lot of them
0: because some of them are like she's a kid in some of them and then she meets Her soon-to-be husband, Almanzo, which is a name that I have had a lifelong fascination with because I'm like, you're not Italian. Your family's not Italian. How did you get this name Almanzo? Almanzo
1: Wilder. That is a name. I think I need to name a future, I don't know, animal or child.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is my beautiful hermit crab, Almanzo. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, but then they, they get old and they- they have kids themselves and then the the prairie cycle continues it it
1: goes on and I think what's so about these books I feel like you know any kind of like young adults fiction series is important to help children like imagine things and like think about beyond themselves and I feel like these books do a really good job of that because like basically what they are are just like diaries of these people like struggling yeah (laughs) like they have some tough tough lives yeah
0: and it's it's a struggle that most of us are not going to have to deal with with heat and you know central air and all these nice amenities that are pretty standard to a house now but I mean I was looking through the Wikipedia summaries for some of these books earlier today just as a refresher and most of the struggles have to do with a lack of firewood, <laughs> some kind of weird fever. Um,
1: like, like Mary goes blind because of scarlet. Oh, well, that,
0: that that's was... That's a whole
1: thing. That scarred me. I was yeah. like, oh my God, my sister's going to go blind and I have to watch out for her on the prairie. Yeah. Um, They all get malaria at some point. Yeah. Like, Paul almost dies in a blizzard. Like, it just goes on and they lose their home in a fire. Like, it really just... I'm like,
0: dang,
1: life was hard.
0: Very, very, very hard. But like, there is sort of like a simple plaintive joy to a lot of it too, that it, it isn't, you know, they're all like written from the perspective of an old woman looking back at her life and really finding the childhood goodness of all of it. That I think that's definitely one of the reasons why they've lasted for so long. Yeah.
1: For sure. Well, and I think they just embody like, you know, that like childhood fascination of just like watching an adult do something that mm-hmm. you're like unfamiliar with? Like I feel like so much of her description in her books are just like Pa I don't know, like Ma churning butter and Pa mm-hmm. like building a barn. <laughs> and you're just like, she goes on for pages about these descriptions which you know sounds kind of boring but when you're reading it as a kid you're like oh wow like that's crazy I've never seen that happen and I feel like some core memories are associated Mm -hmm. with those books like the potato
0: yeah I that potato for whatever reason has stuck with me for so long like even not just the potato like her like sitting under this tree with like whatever little poor Irish kid she's with at the time like it's something like that like like just sitting at the base of the tree eating a raw potato and like she spends like a paragraph describing the taste of the potato
1: yeah no I remember that
0: I I really that has really stuck with me for some reason
1: that and also I don't know if you remember this but she describes making sugar candy Mm -hmm. like out of maple syrup like in detail and it's like they like harvest the maple syrup and then they like like cook it and do all the things you do for maple syrup and then they like make the candy by putting it in the snow and I was like I don't know why like I haven't read those books in decades but I'm like wow I remember that vividly (laughs) what does that say (laughs) well
0: it like and those are not they're not really picture books either like some of them do have illustrations and stuff but like it is it's a testament to how good the writing is that these descriptions hold up so much even to this day like which is crazy considering it's like a childhood it's like a memoir of a childhood so like you're you're remembering it yourself as the author so vividly that you can create that for other people that's that's a skill that a lot of writers do not have
1: yeah no memoir. it's true it's true and it's like I don't know I think it it also like begs the question like why did they move so many times?
0: <laughs> well, I mean they there were it's this
1: hard to like build a cabin and like build a house and like find fresh water. They moved like fifty times.
0: I I think that is like something a child wouldn't know how to write about almost like something that it, like you just don't really know what's going on but you're like moving. It, it, it would be interesting to hear or like go into like a real like biography of her to hear like all the historical context and like familial context about that stuff because yeah. the i so did you watch the tv show
1: okay i didn't i did not see the tv show
0: so the tv show was a very big part of my growing up as was the tv land channel channel in general um <laughs> But we watched, um, my mom grew up watching it. So we would watch that and like the Waltons a lot. And I loved it. I really, the show is so good. Like it's kind of corny and cheesy. Like I've seen like episodes here and there as an adult. And like, it's definitely like a show for kids. But the little girl who plays Laura, Melissa Gilbert is... Like she was like a huge child star. She was like the Lindsay Lohan of the 1970s, essentially. Um, What is she up to these days? Like, I think she was the president of like the Screen Actors Guild. Oh yeah, she was. She's like a politician. She ran for Congress in Michigan. Um, And then we, the dad in the show, Michael Landon was like some Hollywood, big Hollywood guy at the time. And I always thought he was really hot. That was like a very formative (laughs) crush for me. Um, But so the TV show, though, I would definitely recommend. And then we actually saw the musical Little House. There was a
1: musical,
0: not a very well received one, but we went to the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis to see its like world premiere. When I was in, I must have been in middle school at the time. But Melissa Gilbert, who played Laura on the TV show, played was, like, one of the producers, and she played Ma in the oh musical. And then when it went to Broadway, she also played Ma. And I remember that very vividly.
1: Okay, wow. Yeah. Look at that. Dang.
0: And, I, yeah, I mean, I didn't know that many other, like, guys my age who were into this show. Like, it was definitely, like, a girl's thing, but it was... Yeah, okay know. but
1: I feel like it's not like to you also have either. that that rugged individualism in you you could survive
0: I'm wearing a denim shirt wilderness. that's that's the <laughs> so I well okay so I, I like what is your like pioneer experience because you sent me the snowflake <laughs> mountain trailer and I was like yeah I could see her and like and like, not like a full um what's that show where they go out to like Siberia Oh my like God. have to like one of those survivalist shows like that seems a that little crazy. crazy for you, but like I could see you on a Snowflake Mountain.
1: Okay, so the issue with Snowflake Mountain is that everybody in it is so annoying. Like they're all yeah. just like I watched the first episode and it's like I can't actually handle these people because like everyone's annoying because it's like the survival guides are the ones that are like challenging all these quote unquote snowflakes who don't want to work and are lazy and like their parents have sent them out there it's very reminiscent of like mtv where you're like parents like parents switch mm. you're like kids oh oh without- oh
0: i know what you're t- um <laughs> wait, wait 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 parents are you talking about the show For your where-
1: kids like switch with another set of parents
0: oh i know you what, know what you're why can't i remember what that show's called it wife's no it isn't a wife swap
1: no, it was like some MTV show where it was like, your kids are misbehaving. And so you like ship them off to like some family oh. in the of nowhere and like that. Like a with, wilderness,
0: like like, sur- like a scared straight kind of thing. I've never kind heard of, of that yeah. actually.
1: Yeah, like with like strict parents. I don't know, it was like an wow. MTV show for a hot second. We can do some research, but um, it kind of reminds me of that in the sense that like these kids were sent here by their parents to like straighten up and it just it's just so cringy to watch because they're like there's no running water there's how do we get food like and then the two like former army dudes that are running it are just like out there ragging on the youth and how they're lazy and I'm like these are just playing into every single stereotypes out there and I don't love it yeah so I would not be on that beyond like real housewives of montana
0: yeah <laughs> <that> comes, comes <laughs> real along. housewives of bozeman <laughs> like
1: like when they went skiing on the real housewives of salt lake i felt deep yeah <laughs> like i was like okay this is great this is awesome
0: i would oh. I, I, a reality show about like the women of the wilderness like that that they can use that title if they want if they don't want to make it a housewives, women of the wilderness like a yeah, bravo have at it um that is so fascinating to me like yeah, it just, it's a, a, a rugged woman on TV, I think is a very underrepresented genre these days, except for the pioneer woman herself.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Little House on the Cray. Um, No, well, the one show that actually like came up for me when I was Laura Ingalls Wilder, and this show came out for one season when I was five, and it also struck with me, uh-huh. it's called Frontier House.
0: <laughs> okay I'm looking at that you've struck um a bit of a chord okay well it was, I'm a, looking it was up- a
1: PBS series and uh-huh. it was like they took three families and they put them into the wilderness and they were like you have five months to prepare yourself for a brutal winter and they gave them pioneer clothes they weren't allowed to any communication they weren't allowed, like they had to use pioneer food and pioneer tools, and they just like forced them to like get ready. Yeah. And it was and truly an insane show. Like when you think about it. And I think there were a couple of other spin-offs. Like they did it in like colonial times, like, like colonial house, where you like you yeah. had to like live like a I don't know. That, I,
0: that I've definitely watched for sure. Cause these were on like PBS, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Which yeah. has my whole heart and soul. Um and I just remember that show. And the thing I remember about that show is that these girls on the show snuck shampoo in a honey jar. And I was like, oh, iconic cheaters. behavior.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Wait. So like what ha- what happens though? Like did do, do the producers punish them or like are the parents like, you need to be pioneer? Yeah. So it. there's
1: like, and I literally I I was digging into this because it it reminded me of it um and so I was like watching the first episode and they have like a little honesty box that they had to like give up their like earthly belongings into this box before they got in their little covered wagons to travel to their pioneer homestead site Mm -hmm. and like you know this is like 2002 so it's like blue eyeshadows really yeah like red lipstick and so these like 14 year old girls are like pulling off this makeup out of their pioneer dress it's like put in this honesty box <laughs> it kills me
0: the concept of an honesty box is very like it's very pioneer <laughs> like there's like I mean like the Laura Ingalls Wilder like those books are definitely very Christian but they're not like preachy about it it's like a child's version of like simple prayer and stuff um yeah Yeah.
1: okay like they needed all the help they could get
0: (laughs) can i read you the last sentence of the last episode description for this show frontier house
1: yes please
0: regarding one of the families the glens
1: they get divorced at the end of
0: this the Glens have returned to Tennessee. They are told that while they would have been physically able to survive the winter, they were not psychologically ready to do so. The Glens decide to separate as their marriage has suffered during their stay on the homestead. This show ran for one season and a tour of family apart. That is, That is outrageous oh god i'm crying oh my god that is negligent pbs rubens lives
1: it's truly like the first reality TV show it was on bs like i i love it i love it so much it was ridiculous
0: 2002 was such a lawless time for reality tv because people just didn't we have a lot of standards and practices in place now that prevent on getting extremely psychologically damaged people on TV or like really like, like you can't say like nasty things to each other to the degree that you could. But like I, um, when I had COVID a few months ago, I watched a lot of survivor seasons from like 2002 through 2004. Oh um and like the way people have psychological breakdowns on those kinds of shows are just like, I, I, I like you couldn't do that these days. Yeah. Like I'm like it's not there. No one's at like a a level of like marriages breaking apart. But like it's just such a law. It is it's frontier territory. It's the, it's the wild did. wild west. Yeah.
1: This is insane to me. So literally, I have their rules. I have their rules that they set for the show. It was like. Mm-hmm. You agree to abide by a set of rules, which include the following, wearing period-appropriate clothing, preparing and eating period-appropriate food, using Mm -hmm. period-appropriate equipment, communicating with the outside world only through the postal service at the remote country store, or via telegraph. Yeah. (laughs) And this is what kills me. 9-11 happened during the filming of this show. Shut shut up. And instead of letting them, like, watch you. they delivered some newspapers about final weapon attack.. I,
0: mean, I would pay everything to get my hands on whatever prop newspaper they did. That was like the World Trade Center fell <laughs> like, that, I need I need to find this show to watch because this is this is like one of the craziest things I've ever heard. like, how could they get away with all this
1: i don't know it's insane
0: pbs did this not even mtv (laughs) like i could see like mtv like putting frontier house before like rock of love or something but pbs the nation our tax money funded this yeah (laughs) america's a failing state but that that's that we should have a museum about for sure Oh my god. Uh, Uh, Have you ever been to like any of these like frontier museums or like or just like reenactment museums in general? Cause that is something I've always had like a big fascination with.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, we had one in my hometown um Mm -hmm. attached to the museum. And like I would have friends that would like work there for the summer. Yeah. They'd be like gonna go be the the blacksmith (laughs) at the pioneer house. That's fun though. (laughs) No, it's so fun. It's a really cute way to do it. And like obviously like they're volunteers, like it's so fun. Um,
0: and you're and from a cool like, part of the country too. Like you're, I mean, you're essentially from cowboy country, which is a pioneers <laughs> one thing, but like cowboy, that's way cooler.
1: It, it is really cool. Like yeah. I love Montana. I love those men. Unfortunately, like the rest of the world has also discovered it and the rest of the world loves it. And like, we're talking about, you know, the throwback pioneers and now like we have shows like Yellowstone and all the precursors to Yellowstone that are, like, based mm-hmm. in Montana. And people are going nuts for these shows.
0: Yeah. Like, they're... every time
1: I get on a plane home, people are like, oh, my God. Like, have you watched Yellowstone? We're here because of the show. And I'm like, can you leave?
0: <laughs> I, they're the most popular scripted shows on TV right now. Which I've never, I don't know anyone who watches them personally. I probably will eventually. Because I, well, Faith is in the new one. So, and, <laughs> I mean, I love I love Faith Hill. It's so. <laughs> set it at
1: the same time as Laura Engels Wilder. So it's all, oh, all related.
0: I didn't know that. I thought I thought she was being like a fun, like modern cowboy slash businesswoman who gets what she wants. So she's in like period garb. So
1: so there's, like, Yellowstone, which is, like, the fun, like, yeah. modern day. That's the one with like, the
0: Kevin Costner and Kelly Riley. Yes. yes. And okay. then there's
1: 1883, which is, like, the precursor to, like, how the family came to own that ranch in Montana. And I'm, I'm pretty sure she's in
0: oh, with Tim McGraw. Well, I'll still watch, probably. But that, I, I'm, the idea of Faith Hill in, like, a hoop skirt. That's a little less fun for me. So she doesn't get to sing.
1: Mm, I don't know. I haven't seen okay. it.
0: <laughs> I like it when when act or when singers go on movies or TV shows, and because they can sing, the show shoehorns a way for them to do like a little musical number. And if Faith Hill isn't <laughs> singing "This Kiss" in the middle of Montana in 1883, I- I'll be honest, I'm a little less likely to watch that. But
1: that would be so good though. <laughs> I need to have a word with the show. She,
0: or she maybe she has like a dream sequence where somehow it's 1999 <laughs> And she's like, where am I? But she has a karaoke mic in her hand. And then the the strings start and she's like, I I begin to breathe. Like that I would like.
1: I would love that. I would love it. They work in some time travel element.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or like just cut out the middleman. Like they revive Little House on the Prairie the Musical, which I haven't even, it's terrible. Like the songs are like really, really, really bad. And the only one I remember is a song that is the same line over and over and over again, which is also the title of the song. I'll be your eyes. It's about... <laughs> oh, it's about Laura sings it with Mary, um, and she says she'll be her eyes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would like I would like Faith Hill to play Ma. I get I'd have Faith Hill play Laura. I just something yeah like it's not
1: the hot take. Ma was kind of the worst.
0: <laughs> yeah, but not on the um in the TV show though. She's really um she's good I don't remember what that actor's name is Karen Grassle. she's not she's fun and sweet like she was a fun tv mom you know who was a real awful person truly the worst was Nellie Olson.
1: <gasps> the, nemesis. the
0: nemesis she was an
1: actual prairie nemesis yeah
0: <laughs> not a prairie home companion the, the, quite the opposite even um that was like, like,
1: why did we stop talking about prairie home companion like
0: well because <laughs> garrison keeler got me too
1: oh yeah that's why, why that's why
0: <laughs> in, in, anyway anyway
1: <laughs> oh got it I, I we should stop talking about prairie
0: home companion anyway um <laughs> Nellie Olson was w- one of my first literary exposures to people being like huge bitches to other people <laughs> for absolutely no reason at all. Like, like because I worst. the she turned worst.
1: the teacher against Laura. I, it was
0: it was a it was one it was a it was pure villainry. And on the <laughs> TV show, she gets redeemed a little bit, like. She's kind of like a fun Regina George type on the TV show, but like still terrible. But I, I it, it was like so nasty. And I really wonder what the real Nellie was like to Laura because I feel like Laura's like really playing it up. Like she just like hated this girl and she was like, I'm going to make, I hope she's reading this. I hope she didn't die of like diphtheria in 1895 and she's alive to see this now. I <laughs> like
1: I, really, I don't. Because, like, I feel like you were so busy with menial things. Like, how did you have time to be mean? Like, how did you <laughs> have time to be like a total bitch when you're, like, out there, like, churning butter, butter like, on the fields doing your barn. Like, oh, shit, your, bur- your barn burns down. We gotta rebuild it. Like, oh, your cow dies. Like, shit. Like, how did you have time no, to, like, bully someone?
0: <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe you're taking the travails and the trials and the tribulations of being on the prairie every day and channeling that into pure evil. Like that stress has to have a release somewhere, you know? But but I agree. like, (laughs) I feel like, oh no, go on, please.
1: (laughs) i was just gonna say, do you remember when, speaking of trials and tribulations, um, that they were in a rush to build a door for their cabin because Mm -hmm. the wolves were coming? (laughs)
0: things were really serious back then they just were i mean you know we have a lot of problems in modern times but thank god wolves isn't one of them that's the last thing we need
1: oh god (sighs) me
0: (laughs) i can't Okay I we do need to move on but like is there anything else we need to talk about I like I really if if you have not at least read one of these books or watched an episode of the tv show I implore you the listeners to go seek one out because it is they're just very well written books and the tv show is good but like they will imprint on you in a way that few other books will and go watch Frontier House. <laughs> go watch. Oh, please go watch Frontier House. That's not. Uh, did you watch Kid Nation? I didn't watch Kid Nation, but like that was. Uh, no. that was like kids being cowboys on a ranch, left to their own devices. It was like oh, Survivor awesome. era. You can find it on YouTube. I'm pretty sure. Um, so I, I maybe I'll go seek out that too. Um, and what else? Did I have? I had. Oh yeah, fuck Sarah Plain and Tall. That was my last note on all of this. So, um, all right, we need to move on to our final segment, tear the community apart. The rules are simple. I've picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better. Ooh. Easy. Okay, ooh, ooh, ooh. here we go. So these two songs are two of the biggest songs of the last two years, both number one hits in both the US and the UK by British, straight male artists. Both of these songs are songs you would hear at a CVS or a Walgreens, but maybe also out of the club as well. Um, Pretty mid but tolerable anthems, bops that are polite, innocuous in their sensations and feelings, which song is better? As It Was by Harry Styles or Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran.
1: Oh, that's hard actually yeah that's pretty difficult
0: it's like choosing between like haagen vanilla or like ben and jerry's vanilla so like, yeah.
1: yeah like just so similar such bops like british yeah <laughs> um okay i would say oh gosh this kills me i think i'm gonna go with as it was okay yeah i just you know it's relatable it's harry ed hasn't been giving me a lot lately you know like the good song but like beyond
0: that i like both of those songs just fine if you had to make me if this was a referendum on the singers themselves and just like who they are as celebrities in the body of work i would pick harry but I mean, like I've said it before on this podcast, Harry does not give me what I need usually musically. Like it's very like Maroon Five ish.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. But what do you think point.
0: of him as, like a celebrity? And do you like his music? I don't really know your music taste like a, super deeply. I will say so. I would
1: say no. Like I um, like to be surprised by Harry. Like everyone's. And again, like when Watermelon Sugar came out, I was like, who is this? Oh, it's Harry. Like kind of happened again, with <laughs>
0: with as mm-hmm. it was.
1: It's like yeah. it's played incessantly. And then eventually you're like, I guess I should know this song because yeah. everybody knows this song. So no, I would say that puts me at a very low, uh, <laughs> low fan level for Harry Styles. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, I love him and go to all, like all of his concerts and like follow him around on his tours and like, I love that for them I just I just probably wouldn't join
0: yeah I, I I agree with all this we know we have a lot of like one directioners and Harry fans in our front group and I just can't I cannot put myself in the shoes of someone who gets that excited about Harry Styles I, I'm excited for some of this acting stuff that's coming up but like um,
1: yes um, me too me too
0: Ed Sheeran, I historically do not like it all, though. Bad Habits, I think, is my favorite Ed Sheeran song. It's a good song. But, like, anyone could have written it, though. It's, like, it's, like, Sheeran proof. Like, like, the bones of the song are so good that, like, maybe if Harriet's saying that, I would be getting my life a little bit more than I'm getting it now. And I I, wouldn't say that I'm getting my life a ton.
1: I was surprised that that song was Ed. Like, I think that's one of the things where I was like, oh, this came from Ed Sheeran? Like, what?
0: Well, that's kind of where we all were with Shape of You, too. But that song wasn't supposed to be his. Like, he wrote it for Rihanna. I didn't know that. And she passed on it. And he was like, well, I guess I'll just do it. Cause like, cause he, he is like a, a big songwriter for other people and he's written stuff. I like, like he was, he's written stuff for Taylor that I really enjoy, but like, I don't yeah. know. He seems like one of those people who must be like famous people must really enjoy hanging out with him. Cause I don't really know how he keeps getting like all these big collabs and like, like he has a song with Beyonce.
1: What? no it's yes, perfect like they're in just like two different worlds like yeah i just like can't like when i picture that man i picture him like honestly like dropping acid home next to like a cozy fireplace like yeah. i just like don't see him like out and about socializing with all the celebrities that he's socializing with it, it, he
0: like he, there are some like compellingly weird things about him and i feel like like he married a former duke field hockey player, which I will always support that, like get the bag. And he named his daughter after. did you read like the His Dark Materials books, like Golden Compass? Okay, those are great books if people have not read those, they're like Narnia-ish kind of, they're really good. But he named his daughter after the main character from Golden Compass, which I was like, okay, like that's kind of like, you definitely that's like, like have cut. read cool things, yeah. But like, why do you make music that sounds like this? but i don't think i don't think um men make good pop music and i've said that before on this podcast so
1: you have it i actually agree with you on that yeah like i think i think i love honestly male folk music
0: and yeah. female
1: pop music
0: i i agree yeah i like male alt rock i'm like like i mean if you sent me to like a vampire weekend concert or a killers concert i would have so much fun but like an ed sheeran concert Hmm. <laughs> Even a Harry concert. I don't think I'd especially cause he I like think it,
1: it he, would be ruined like, by the fans.
0: Yes. Like, and I don't like that Harry Styles like you don't have to comment on this, but like I don't I don't like that he like pretends to be gay. I think that's annoying as fuck to do. So
1: Yeah, I it's, went to a Taylor Swift concert by accident once
0: but <laughs> well, that's not accidental like that sounds fun I we Taylor's no, and genius. it
1: was like it yeah. was so fun and obviously her shows are so much fun but we truly were next to the world's most annoying fans
0: yeah. and I was
1: like this is where I think Harry could be challenging
0: well Swifties are definitely challenged in ways like <laughs> I, I think that 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 like I'm not in a stand community that runs so deep to the point of like complete mental illness. I was really trying to find a different way to say that, but I'm not taking that out. I, but I, I like to quote the, to quote the late great Wendy Williams, Swifties are weird. <laughs> so I think that we'll just leave it at that. So, okay, well we do have to wrap up, Roz. Thank you so much for being here. I, 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 I think I have cried laughing more times during this episode than I have in any episode prior to now. So <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for doing this.
1: Um, this has been so much fun. Thanks for having me.
0: And I've, the listeners have so many recommendations for things to seek out. So I really hope people take that up. Um, if you would like to be found on social media, where can people find you?
1: Uh, my Instagram is at Roz Kutch, R O Z K U T S C H. I'll try to drop some hot prairie takes every now and then. Awesome.
0: <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram at Drew Haskins with Zs, on Twitter at FKA Pigs with the Z, and follow at Crisis Twink Pod on Instagram and Twitter for direct updates from the podcast. And I said I was going to do this this episode, I never do it. Please, 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 please take 30 seconds to go rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, Google, like wherever you listen to your podcast, it really helps. and we also have a listener support option here on Crisis Link where you can choose to make an optional recurring monthly donation or one-time donation, I think, of any fee that you would like to keep the operating costs of this podcast low. So that's good. Okay, I did it. Right? I, 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 I never do that. And it actually sounded coherent and good.
1: Good job. It was beautiful.
0: So, okay. Well, on that note, <laughs> we're done. All right. Bye, everyone.